You're listening to the Flying Goat Farm Podcast with your host, Lisa Check. This podcast is for people who love yarn and fiber and sheep, who love to knit and crochet and maybe even felt. We will be talking about the crossroads between keeping sheep and goats, making yarn, and expressing your colorful self. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode six on mindful clothing. But before we go on, here's what's happening at the farm. So summertime, maybe this comes from being a public school teacher for so many years and also we're just really loving school. But so always summertime is kind of a time of rejuvenation for me. It's a time when I, you know, there aren't any big shows. Yes, we're still doing monthly open studios and I can be open if people are passing through and want to come and shop. But for the most part, it's kind of a low um, season. So, so I love it because this is the time that I can really stretch myself creatively. So I was just thinking I have four knitting projects going. One I haven't knit on for a while. Um, but I have four knitting projects going. My sweater is nearly complete. I just have to do like, um, what is it? Like eight more rows, rounds, I should say, um, and bind off and then do the sleeves, which isn't a whole lot because it's kind of a short cap sleeve. Um, so that is within view of being done. I'm really excited about that. I have my knit-along cowl that I'm working on, which I will probably put aside until the knit-along actually happens so I can knit with people. Um, But I think I have enough done so that I can write my pattern. I have the souvenir shawl from the Fast program, the Fast um, Open Studio a couple weeks ago that I just have started and I haven't, I need to get back to that. And I have my... um, my mohair blanket that is all naturally dyed. So I've got four knitting projects going. I have I have scarves on the loom, which I just finished one. And so um, now I'll do the second one with have a different warp. So that it gives a little bit of a different look. It's all a hand painted warp and um, just a very simple um, twill pattern, eight inch scarf made with tensile. Um, it's been years since I've actually sat down and, and woven something for myself. So I'm really excited about that. Um, it's turning out really, really beautiful. And um, so I'm really liking that. And then I have a sewing project that right now I'm hand applicating things on. And I'll probably do some embroidery with that. And, and along with that, I've got so many other ideas. I want to do a fresh indigo pot. I made a linen top of couple months ago and I want to do um, some embroidery around the collar for that which I have not even begun yet but I have ideas for so summer is the time that I really um, love because I get to stretch myself out I take down the production of so much yarn um, for at least you know six or eight weeks, I'll start gearing up again in August for the fall shows. But, um, and I'll do a little bit here and there because, you know, I like it. I love dyeing and that's what I do, but it's not a have to. 
So this is a really great time for me. So that's what's happening on the farm. So just to recap um, the previous five episodes. So we've been talking about fast fashion and the consequences that it has not only to our planet, our climate, our bodies, um, and um, basically our money. Um, and we started in the last um, session to talk about slow fashion or farm to needle or farm to closet and table. Um, and I've given you some tasks to do um, to start changing over your wardrobe and household textiles to get back to being more local and more sustainable for your family, your own body and the planet. So where do we go from fast to slow local fashion? How do we get there? And like I said in previous episodes, you know, I've been trying to figure out how to pivot my wardrobe from fast to slow for a couple of years now. And it's definitely a process. And I just want to make sure that, you know, it's not something to get overwhelmed about. It's just um, to take it step by step to take baby steps to change over your wardrobe to a more sustainable climate beneficial wardrobe. Um, I was reading this book. Um, it's called Wear No Evil. It's by Greta Egan. And I really liked that she has an integrity index. So she's delineated 16 factors that they're kind of like your own internal values. Um, and she explains that in order not to be overwhelmed, to just pick four or five of these that mean the most to you. And that's the where you start. And we're all not going to just jump in, throw out all of our clothes um, and or and compost as much as we can, all that stuff and change everything over again. It just doesn't work that way. So I thought I'd um, share the 16 factors with you so that you might also pick your four or five that mean the most to you. The first one is natural dyeing or low impact dyeing. So low impact dyeing is what most of us small batch dyers do. Um, it uses very little water in the grand scheme of things. And while we're using chemical based dyes, it has a low impact on the environment. <laughs> um, if, I'm, if I'm calculating my dyes correctly, um, when I'm done um, dyeing, what I have left is I have beautiful yarn or fabric that's dyed and I have water, I have a, a um, mixture of water and vinegar. All the dye has gone into the fiber and none of it is left in the pot to be thrown out. It's just a little bit of acidified water. And natural dyeing um, can sometimes use more water if you're talking about natural dyeing in a bigger setting. Um, but, um, it, if it's also small batch, it's going to be very similar to, you know, what we already do. Um, so you just need to ask the dyers, um, how, you know, what their water consumption is, if that's something that's important to you. Um, and as a consumer, you need to know that some of the ingredients that dyers use, um, for natural dyeing are also chemicals. And sometimes they can also be a little toxic, like carp, you know, sometimes people use copper or zinc um, or chromi chromium, things like that to color, to get some different color changes. And you would want to stay away from that, that kind of thing. Um, for myself, 
um, any color changes that I do after the dye um, are based with iron. And it, that's, it's just basically rust water. Um, so it's not going to be something that's going to be harmful for the environment or for yourself. So that's number one, picking low or uh, low impact or natural dyeing as, as a value. Number two is using natural fibers because they're biodegradable. We've talked about this a lot. Um, and But also know that in the case of some plant fibers, water use and pesticide use can be very high. So it can be important to look for organic cotton or linen, cotton in particular, um, because then the pesticides aren't being used. Um, the the um, index factor number three is organic fibers. So, uh, you know, again, you're eliminating the pesticides and the herbicides, um, but there can still be high water usage. A lot of this is totally out of our control. It's just the way that farming is done. and um, if you want to have organic natural fibers that are naturally dyed as part of your four or five, you know, your top three things, you know, you're going to, it may be a little bit more high water usage, but you know, you're also taking, you know, you're, you're, you're making your dollars vote for no, not using pesticides and herbicides. Um, number four is fair trade and fair compensation. Um, people need to be paid a living wage and it, and also, uh, we need to make sure that we're not promoting businesses that are using child labor. Um, and so there are some companies that are totally transparent about what they're paying their people and about not using child labor. Um, and also, you know, researching what some of the laws are in these different countries that are doing primarily the sewing, but they are also doing the dyeing and, um, um, and, the, and the growing of the fibers. So just making sure that, you know, people are being paid a living wage, fair compensation is number four. Number five is recycled and upcycled, because this is going to reduce the waste in our landfills like we've seen before. And it will hopefully break the debt cycle of some of the third world citizens that are selling our discarded clothing. Our clothing goes over, um, primarily to Africa. It comes in big bales and um, entrepreneurs buy these bales, they sort through them, and then they resell to the people in their communities. And more and more often, uh, more and more lately, they're getting um, a lot of trash, um, tr you know, things that aren't actually clothes anymore. Like they may be totally ripped or maybe they weren't sewn in the first place, like pieces of, you know, fabric that's been cut to be sewn, but then it didn't sell. So you have these just pieces of fabric. Um, and so those entrepreneurs can't sell those as clothing. Um, and they um, are, get into this debt cycle because they then they don't have money to buy the next bail and on and on and on. Buying local this is number six. Because that reduces the CO2 emissions for transportation, but more importantly, it's building community and it also is supporting your own local economy. Just as um, community-supported agriculture supports your farming community, so does um, community-based um, fiber support your local fiber farmers. Number seven is so social justice. 
um, buying textiles from underserved communities um, and making sure again about that it's fair trade. There's lots of um, NGOs that are working towards this kind of um, value and you can certainly buy clothing from them that it's 100% natural and in some cases is organic as well. Zero waste is number eight. So looking for companies that are committed to zero waste um, instead of the approximately 100 tons of fabric that's left as waste even before it's made into clothing, like what I was talking about before is that it may have been, the, the cloth may have been cut, but it was never sewn into anything and it just goes into the trash stream. So looking for companies that are committed to a zero waste. And again, you're going to be, for that, I think you're going to be looking at smaller companies where, um, you know, they don't want to be wasting their money by throwing things in the trash either. Um, slow fashion would be number nine. And so when I, what she's, um, Greta is talking about there is looking for local makers and local makers a lot of times will have a high level of craftsmanship you know if you find a leather worker who is making you know beautiful purses um, that is uh, you know somebody that's local and has a high level of craftsmanship you're you're buying quality that you're going to keep for a long time plus because it's local you're also um, building up your community as well. Um, factor number 10 would be vegan. So avoiding leather and silk, um, your regular silk uh, that, um, and instead looking for piece silk products where the silkworms are not killed uh, before the, the silk is um, harvested. We, if you have questions about that, go ahead and email me. I don't want to get into that whole process right now. But peace silk, um, some or in some cases it would be called wild silk. Um, would it's where the um, where the the moths are allowed to mature. Um, number eleven is water footprint. So in that case, especially in those places where there's a lot of um, a lot of water being used in the dyeing, in the spinning, in everything. Look for companies that use a closed water system. Um, and what I mean by that is that they um, they recycle the water. You know, they use the water, they collect the water at the end, and instead of it going into a stream someplace or the sewer, it goes back to the front and, and gets used over and over again. Um, and so that will reduce wastewater and um, it reduces the water use throughout the manufacturing process. And especially these days with, you know, there's so many um, countries that um, are on the verge of being waterless. You know, we need to be thinking about our water usage as well. Number 12 is transparency. Can you see what the company ethics are and can you see what their practices are? And we talked about this a little bit when we were talking about uh, researching brands and definitely some brands are more uh, transparent than others. And so, you know, again, vote with your dollars. Factor number 13 is soil to soil. And this is the concept where you can compost your natural fiber textiles. Um, and it's part of like a bigger uh, idea. And the idea being that 
the fiber is grown on the land. It comes from the land. It comes from the earth, whether that is a plant or whether it is like wool or um, alpaca and your animal fibers where the animals are eating the plants that grow in the side in the soil. Right. Um, and then you wear it, wear it, wear it until you can wear it no longer. When you are done with it, you put it in your compost pile. And because it's hundred percent natural, it will biodegrade. Um, and this is really, um, very important also, uh, climate wise. And, um, it's helping to sequester carbon as well. Um, Number 14 would be convertible. And I really had to look at this. It's like, I'm not talking about one of those snazzy little sports cars, but rather um, what else can you do with those items, with those garments? Can they be worn in a few different ways? Can they be used in a couple of different ways? Um, and, you know, it's some different looks like, you know, can you wear that sari as a skirt or as a bathing suit cover-up, you know, those kind of things. Number 15 is buying secondhand, and thrifting is really on trend these days, and I'm amazed at the beautiful quality garments that you can find in thrift stores these days, um, especially those that um, are more upscale, like maybe your, your hospital uh, thrift stores, those kind of things, or maybe like a church-based um, thrift store where they're getting things that are a little bit higher quality than Goodwill. But even at Goodwill or Salvation Army, I found I have found cashmere sweaters, um, alpaca sweaters, things like that. Um, and number 16 is, of course, style. Um, how can you incorporate your fashion sense in with all these other fashion values? So in her book, Wear No Evil, Greta is suggesting, and I agree with this, is that you pick four to five of those and um, and start there as this is this is what I want to um, work on first, but as I'm changing over my wardrobe. Another movement that I wanted to talk about is called the make make your label count movement. And this is a movement that's happening in the EU, but it can certainly be a benefit to us in the US and, and perhaps it's one that we should really be promoting here ourselves. So um, what, what it means is that in the U EU, they want to have standardized labels that are more transparent, that allow you to make better informed choices about the clothing that you're gonna buy. Um, and so, you know, is it recyclable? Is it all natural? Is it, has it been made um, in fair trade? How, how long will this um, material hold up? What is this, the carbon footprint? Those kinds of things. And what the Make the Label Count movement is, is they want to have a standard methodology for the sustainability claims that are being made by the fashion industry. Um, a lot of um, manufacturers, yes, they realize that we want things that are more sustainable and that are quote unquote greener and that are more climate beneficial, especially in the EU. I think that they're way ahead of us um, on that. Um, but and, and, and so these standards are, have been skewed a little bit towards 
um, towards the manufacturers. And what the Make the Label Count movement is about is to make sure that those standards um, come back to um, what is really happening. For instance, they say that, you know, um, that the car the carbon based the fossil based clothing has no different um, uh, carbon footprint than um, natural fibers, which is not quite right, but it's exact. But it's because of the the way that they're measuring this and the and it, that it, it's making it um, look that way. So it's kind of like a political situation, um, but. The point is we need to have some ways that we can make more informed choices and we, d- we need to have standard methodologies that makes that sustainability really count. Um, so these, these standards, they're called PEFs in case you ever run into that. And I was like, what's a PEF? A product environmental footprint standard. So the problem with the current ones is they're not complete. They don't take into account all the negatives of the fossil fuel-based fabrics. Like they don't take into account microplastics. They don't take into account the carbon emissions. But they also don't take into account all the positives of the circular natural fiber production. Like the fact that there aren't microplastics like the fact that it is carbon sequestering and not carbon emitting, those kind of things. Um, So the goal is to empower and inform all the customers so that the values of the climate neutrality can be achieved. Um, And hopefully we can um, ask, you know, ask our manufacturers to do the same things. It's pie in the sky, especially in our current uh, political climate, but um, it's always good to have a goal, right? The last thing that I wanted to show you is called um, the hierarchy of needs or the biology pyramid. Um, And so this hierarchy also shows it's like the ideal of buying textiles and specifically clothes. Um, So it's a pyramid for those of you who are listening. It's a pyramid on the bottom where you have your biggest. It's like use what you have. Of course, you want to use what you have for as long as you can. Care for them appropriately so they last longer. The next step up is swap or borrow. Um, And I think that this like the borrowing part really works well if you're thinking about like special occasion gowns or suits. There's lots of those, you know, rent the runway and items like that where you can borrow something um, that you're only going to be wearing once. Why should you buy something that you'd be only wearing once? Um, And swaps. Swaps are really fun to do with friends. Um, And if you aren't all in the same range of sizes, think about swapping accessories and shoes. Because again, that's something that that sometimes lands in, you know, gets worn once and it's like, oh, those didn't really fit my feet. But maybe you could swap them with somebody else um, and um, you get something that is better fitting, right? Um, 
I don't know how many pairs of shoes that they feel okay in the, in the store. And then you get them home and it's like, oh my gosh, or you, you wear them for a long period of time and you have blisters and all that. So like, think about swapping them with people. Um, on the next level is thrifting and specifically looking for those garments that are all natural fibers, good construction, and things that maybe you could repurpose or upscale. Um, I was watching some program and they uh, it was it was about thrifting. And this woman went into the men's sections of the thrift stores to look, you know, a lot of times men's clothes are much better made um, and was looking for like blazers, suit jackets. Um, sweaters, things like that, um, that could then be, um, you know, worn over, you know, your, your regular clothes, right. But you have, you, you have added, um, an ex kind of an accessory thing, the garment that could last for a long time because it's better made going up one more level. It's the make, um, if you can make, then make it, or maybe you partner with a maker. If you, um, aren't somebody that can make. And lastly, buy new. But buy new is very, very small in comparison with all the other things that you can do before you get to the buy thing. The buy step. So here's your call to action. So I do want you to go back. I want you to decide on the four or five categories of the integrity index that are most important to you. And um, in the notes, the show notes, I will put, I will write down the 16. So in case you didn't get them all, um, you can look at the list from at the website. And then please do write and let me know what you're choosing to do, because I think we're more stronger together. Um, if, so if we're working together on some of these factors, that could, that would be amazing. For instance, you know, if we were all working towards, okay, from now on, I'm going to buy organic natural fibers whenever I can. Wouldn't that be amazing if like in, in our, in my listening audience, like everybody was doing that and working together. Um, I think it'd be fantastic. And lastly, please go to Instagram, Facebook, and follow the following things. Follow at Chesapeake Fiber Shed, especially if you are in our area, if you're local to me. Follow at Fiber Shed, also follow hashtag Fibershed and hashtag make the label count to stay informed about what's happening in the community and what's happening in the world around this idea of circularity, of sustainability, and of climate beneficial clothing. And until next time, happy making. Well, that's this episode of the Flying Goat Farm podcast. If you enjoyed it, please consider leaving a review. Have a question you'd like me to answer? Send an email to goatherd at flyinggoatfarm.com. And to see our farm and yarn and roving, check out our website at flyinggoatfarm.com. Follow me at Flying Goat Farm on Facebook and Instagram, and I'm Goat Herd on Ravelry. Until next time, happy making.